Hello and welcome back to Multimodal. I'm your host, Backseat Future. This is a podcast about GPT-3, multimodal AI models like DALI, the company, OpenAI. In this podcast, I may talk about new OpenAI research and products, community initiatives that are going on. I may even talk about my own ideas, my own products, my own research. And definitely, definitely in this podcast, I share my thoughts on this space. I try to share current events and I also try to make sense of what's going on from the perspective of a GPT-3 developer or perhaps a multimodal artist. And I also try to extrapolate, guess, throw out there what all of this could mean for the future. This is not just a podcast about today. This is a podcast about tomorrow. I want to thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Multimodal. We got a lot of ground to cover. I definitely want to talk about the situation with Russia and Ukraine. This is going to be brief. I'm obviously not the geopolitical expert here. This is also not a geopolitical politics podcast. However, this topic is so big and has such big implications for everyone that I simply can't ignore it. Um, we're also definitely going to talk about Instruct GPT. This is the Instruct GPT podcast. I got so much I want to talk about uh, in this area. I. I definitely think Instruct GPT is game changing, um, and I'm, I'm hoping to expand on what the implications of Instruct GPT. Wh what are they uh, for a GPT three developer? What does it mean? Where all of this stuff could be going? And the biggest reason I'm I'm really excited about it is I just feel like not enough people in the community are talking about how great it is, um, and and just like I'm I'm so excited, and I think the fanfare should be a lot greater actually for Instruct GPT. So I'm going to be expanding on why I think that is. So with that, let's get started. Um, so definitely the, the situation with Russia and Ukraine is, is very grave, very concerning. This is something I've had goosebumps about. This is something I've had a bad feeling about since last year. I put it in writing. We've talked about it in the podcast. I was hoping it wouldn't happen. Yet here we are. Unfortunately, this 2022 prediction I had has come to fruition. I really wish it wasn't the case. Um, the main thing that I've personally been dealing with is just if if you think about perhaps the range of possible futures here, obviously, I'm hoping for a very optimistic, very diplomatic solution. However, the range of worst case scenarios in this situation is really bad. Um, and so on a, on a personal note, like I just wanted to share, like I'm, I'm not sure what it means for the large language model, multimodal space. What does it mean for our work and our futures? Um, pretty much everybody's in the same boat. I, you know, depending upon how things could pan out in a, in a very bad direction, pretty much the whole tech industry may have to reform and reconsider its role, uh, depending upon what is needed of us. Uh, and certainly when people are worried about safety, when they're worried on, on an existential level, existential level, God forbid, the priorities change. There is a hierarchy of needs here. And, and so, um, you know, it, it'll change our relation to our work. It'll change our relation to. Uh, what we think is important. Um, and, the, you know, the, the scariest part right now is simply nobody knows. Nobody knows what's going to happen over the next two to three weeks. But, I mean, the only thing that I feel is um, the next two to three weeks will be really important. I'm recording this on February 28th, 2022. Um, it'll be really important. It could change everything forever. Uh, you know, depending upon how this stuff pans out, we may have something like 2020, uh, some kind of big event which changes everything for everyone forever. Um, and so anyways, uh, uh, 
not the best situation. And I want to be clear, my anxieties, my fear, my worries pales in comparison to uh, what's happening, unfortunately, to to the Ukrainian community. I want to give a shout out to to all the Ukrainians and, you know, definitely, definitely what they're dealing with far exceeds what whatever I'm talking about here. But my my thoughts are certainly with them. So uh, we're now going to be shifting gears. I want to chat about InstructGPT on that very serious note. We're going to shift gears. Um, so InstructGPT was announced two to three weeks ago. This is the new engine, which OpenAI recommends. Basically, it powers the OpenAI playground and platform. Um, and so what it what it essentially is, so in clear terms, it's basically the same engines like DaVinci or Ada except they've been fine-tuned and have also had uh, you know, a, a reward space reinforce, reinforcement learning on top of it to basically align better with the needs of GPT-3 developers. So what that means is, you know, Instruct GPT is hopefully, ideally, at least I'm finding at least, it is more cohesive. Uh, it's less toxic, right? The research paper announcing it shares shares the research around it but from my experience i found it's less toxic it's more cohesive it's easier to use um it's it's more fun to use um and so it is very beneficial right for a gpt3 developer um and it's it's so beneficial and it's so easy to use i've been finding that i've been using the OpenAI playground and platform a whole lot more i'm I, i'm starting to use it a couple times a day um, simply because it's just so handy. And I think what's changed a lot because of Instruct GPT compared to the past, I'm not configuring anything anymore on the side other than maybe response length and temperature. I'm, you know, I'm not finding examples. I just, it's just a single shot. And at this point with Instruct GPT, I'm not even cherry picking anymore. Right. And of course, cherry picking is something the GPT-3 community, large language model community really doesn't talk about. Like when we share our completions on social media and in our and in our YouTube videos or wherever, you know, how many attempts was it before we finally got that good one? Right. What I'm finding with Instruct GPT, I'm, I've gotten used to single shot uh, default configurations, no cherry picking at all. Basically, the first completion and. This is such a big improvement uh, on top of the existing uh, GPT-3 engines. This has been the dream, basically, not just not just for a while now in the history of computer science and AI, but just even since 2020. Like I, I almost wish GPT-3 and OpenAI, the beta launched with not just GPT-3 and the different engines, but also with Instruct GPT on top, uh, because it has improved so much the experience of, of using GPT-3. And in fact, uh, if you've been hesitant to show people, at least I feel, if you've been hesitant to show your friends uh, who don't know anything about GPT-3, if you've been hesitant to show them something like GPT-3, um, I feel like now is the time. Uh, it's a free sign up. It's publicly available. On top of that, Instruct GPT is just so straightforward. It makes those first interactions so much easier. You get that magic moment quicker of just interacting meaningfully with uh, uh, with a large language model like GPT-3 um, that I, I think it will just uh, get more people onboarded faster. I think it will make GPT-3 more viral. Um, and I just uh, I just feel like if, you, if you're also a GPT-3 developer who's been on the fringes, you know, you tried it maybe in 2020 or last year, uh, I encourage you to come back. Come back, give Instruct GPT a spin, 
I, I think it, it it may impress you in all these different ways. Um, certainly, the biggest biggest implication for Instruct GPT is, I mean, at least I'm finding I'm not really writing prompts anymore. Um, you know, like I, I I wrote a whole article on Substack. I encourage you to check it out on on why I think prompt design may be over. Obviously, that's a very clickbaity kind of title. But, you know, Instruct GPT, it just eliminates a lot of that need to get your examples together, to, you know, find really cohesive examples, you know, and you can just jump straight to uh, a zero shot, uh, you know, approach, which is what, to be honest, people want. Like, I, I would much rather not write prompts. As much as I appreciate the art form, I would much rather not write prompts, <laughs> right? Um, and so instruct GPT, I'm just fine. I'm like, I'm writing a lot less prompts. Um, and it's, it's made it so much more, it's made the open playground so much more handy, so much more convenient. Um, and just, uh, you know, I've just been using OpenAI's GPT three a lot more. And just to be absolutely clear, um, nobody else in the large language model market has something even a, like remotely close to instruct GPT. Uh, I, I spun up co here. Uh, essentially, they, they do not have Instruct GPT kind of, uh, they do not have an engine like that. And if you compare their largest engine to Instruct GPT, it feels like, you know, you're using something from the past, like basically from 2020. Um, it's it's like light years different. It's light years better. Um, Eleuthera AI, same thing, you know, the GPT Neo X, GPT J, like they do not have um, any kind of Instruct GPT uh, reinforcement learning with human feedback uh, training. And so um, they, they don't even come close, right? So you, you may end up using prompts for those, but you may not need to for, for Instruct GPT. Um, and I mean, from the research paper, one of the biggest pieces that is, is just right in the abstract, um, they found even with a one and a half billion parameter model, uh, the participants in that research paper they preferred a one and a half billion parameter uh, model over GPT-3 uh, DaVinci, 175 billion parameters. And so there's also some implications there. So I've talked about, you know, it could make it more viral. You may find yourself using the OpenAI Playground more. You may find yourself writing fewer prompts, right? That's another uh, potential way this could go. I, I also think just on like the research and, you know, perhaps the industry space and competitive side, um, the fact that out of a one and a half billion parameter model, the completions were preferred from that over uh, GPT-3 DaVinci with 175 billion parameter model. Um, I think the exciting thing about that area is there may be other verticals where other people could perhaps compete with OpenAI. Uh, say, say you made a one and a half billion parameter model just for nonfiction writers. That has, you know, its own version of Instruct GPT, where the completions from that uh, far exceed something from, far exceed something like uh, definitely GPT-3 DaVinci, and perhaps because it's so specialized, perhaps even Instruct GPT itself. Um, it just opens up new possibilities. Uh, I feel uh, for for smaller models and smaller models, one and a half billion parameters, you'd, you'd have. Uh, you'd spend less in inference costs, right? Which is the cost of running the models. Um, and uh, also you could train them and run them perhaps even on a single GPU, I think. Maybe maybe two GPUs, right? So it's like it, it could be at that hobbyist level. And so there's some big implications there. Perhaps we may see more verticalized 
uh, large language model companies that focus perhaps on translation or or some, something of that sort. Now, there are some sort of downsides to InstructGPT, and I hope you've been keeping up. Um, some some downsides are, of course, InstructGPT is only trained in a few categories, right? Like generation, classification, those kinds of things. Um, if I and so I talk about this actually in my is prompt design over article, but basically, um, you know, for for areas outside of that, if you're finding that InstructGPT is not giving you that great completions or they're not as reliable, uh, you can always just go back to the older engines, like what I call DaVinci Classic. Um, and with DaVinci Classic, you could do some prompt design and, and maybe get more reliable results. Uh, although in the research paper, OpenAI has said that InstructGPT appears to apply just that general alignment across various areas as well when they had tested it. Um, and so InstructGPT may actually still be beneficial no matter what you're doing. But that part, you know, is still unclear. We still have to figure it out. Um, so anyways, InstructGPT, what does it mean for GPT-3 developers? It means you'll have an easier time developing GPT-3 applications. You'll have less toxic, um, you know, completions. You'll have more reliable completions. And the biggest thing I'm finding is you may just find yourself using the OpenAI Playground far more. Nothing else on the market compares to it. And obviously the big piece is it may actually open new kinds of uh, OpenAI competitors, new kinds of models, maybe stuff that's verticalized. Um, and of course, what happens as a result of Instruct GPT? I think, you know, perhaps this is that first little piece. It's, it's a, you know, it's a small step, but something much bigger towards the bigger topic of AI alignment and safety. Um, every day, I feel we are just scratching the surface of, of what's possible with, with large language models, our understanding of them. And so it's just really exciting. I cannot recommend enough. Uh, now is the time. Go on the OpenAI website, sign up, create an account, give InstructGPT a spin, ask it questions, right? Uh, ask it to come up with a list of something, right? Um, you know, uh, ask it to write you a poem. Uh, and if, again, if you've been on the fringes, InstructGPT is a lot better than the, the previous Instruct series that you may have tried and thought was kind of meh, to be honest. <laughs> Um, and so, uh, real quick, I just want to talk about an article I put out specifically about one area, which is search. I'm finding I'm using Instruct GPT a lot, actually. Um, and uh, then I just want to wrap up and talk about sort of like a last sort of final project I have actually in the Instruct GPT space and why I'm uh, why I'm excited to work on it. So, let's take a look. So, one area where I'm finding I'm just using Instruct GPT a lot is actually as a Google search alternative which is crazy to say, right? And so I wrote a whole article. I wrote, Instruct GPT is greater than Google search. Again, I apologize. This is a very clickbaity article, um, at least like title-wise, <laughs> right? Um, you know, I, I talk about, and if you've, if you've been listening to the podcast, I've, I've been complaining about Google search for a few weeks now, <laughs> right? I've been tweeting about it. I talked about it, like I think maybe even two episodes ago. Um, so Google search, I feel the quality has declined. Um, and so on one hand, you're seeing Google search has declined quality wise for all these different reasons. On the other hand, you see something like instruct GPT and just that Delta between what you're looking at and what you know is possible with today's technology is so big that it's almost hard to look at Google. At least I find it. It's hard to use it knowing there's better alternatives with today's technology. Um, 
And so I wrote, you know, through, you know, large language models like GPT-3, we've seen great advancements in many of the classic NLP areas like summarization, question and answering, and content generation. Um, and I just find myself using GPT-3, specifically instruct GPT, far more just to answer basic questions instead of something like Google. And uh, in this article, I show, sh I show side by side different queries that I've entered over the past two weeks or, weeks or so and show you the difference between Google search results and instruct GPT results, right? So uh, one of the questions I asked is what are some ways to create sparse neural networks? Uh, and so the OpenAI response was, uh, the instruct GPT-3 response was awesome. It gave me three points. It answered it in a very cohesive, consistent way. And just the simplicity of the answer was awesome. And I found it beneficial. Meanwhile, the Google <laughs> results were just, you know, links to articles that, again, obviously maybe have that keyword, right? And so it did. It does not have that, Google searches does, just does not have that aspect of synthesizing information across these articles and simplifying it for me in a way that is digestible. And so, uh, you know, I have other examples too of, uh, like for example, so that question of how do you how do you create sparse neural networks, which is a you know very topical question actually right now in in the in the large language model space. I followed it up with you know, what are some underexplored ways to create sparse neural networks, right? That's something I followed up with Instruct GPT. And it suggested four different ways of doing that. Is it four? Maybe even more. Um, yeah, four different ways, right? And again, that kind of follow-up is something that I just, I'm not even going to bother doing it on Google search, but it's so valuable. And I almost feel like if Google search could answer questions in these ways, I would do more of those kinds of questions, not just the basic, what are some ways to, to create sparse neural networks, but the follow up is I feel even more important. What are the underexplored ways, right? And I just, I don't think that's something Google search has the capability to answer at all at, 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 at this current point in time. Um, and, uh, Unless somebody writes an article about what are the underexplored ways, Google search will not be able to really answer that question. Uh, then I, I shared like other examples. So I asked, what makes artists choose some art over others? Um, you know, the GPT-3 instruct GPT, you know, playground, it gave me just a paragraph saying, you know, it's a multitude of factors, but perhaps here's the main ones. Uh, Google search, each result is just a time suck of its own. <laughs> Right. You, you know, you have to read different people's opinions. You have to you get distracted in all these different ways. Like, you know, you scroll in the article, you see these ads, you're just like and then it, obviously the onus of this whole experience of Google search, uh, the onus is on you to read all these different articles and try to piece it together and synthesize it in your head and draw that conclusion. Um, and I mean, maybe there's some positives to that approach, but as a user for a topic like this, um, I just, I love the simplicity that, you know, the answer is basically summarized in plain text. I don't have to get distracted. It's less mental weight on my head. Um, it's just very convenient. Uh, I asked other kinds of questions uh, as well. Uh, why do cats love boxes? <laughs> right. And in the article, I try to be fair. Obviously, there's certain queries which I, I just wouldn't bother putting into Instruct GPT. Like, what's the weather in my area? Um you know, how to, how to join two clips in Adobe Premiere Pro, 
right? I actually think Instruct GPT may be able to answer that question, but I'm a little bit hesitant because, um, you know, it's it's a different domain, right, than text. Like you'd have to use Adobe Premiere Pro to really actually explain and give me the best answer for that. Um, I shared reasons why I still use Google search. You know, it's not over for me, right? Uh, like, uh, you know, GPT-3 is, is far from perfect. It has safety risks. I don't think OpenAI would, would ever recommend, at least at this point in time, they would, I don't think they'd recommend using Instruct GPT as a Google alternative. There's still issues around truthfulness. It does, it may make up information, <laughs> right? And I understand using Google to verify stuff that Instruct GPT says is kind of, uh, it defeats the purpose of using Instruct GPT, <laughs> right? But, um, I, I'm aware of that, but I just, I think it's still Instruct GPT is, is, is so compelling, right? Um, and I'm, for the most part, this is a very broad generalization I'm finding. Uh, it hasn't been making up too much information, although it is much of a, still a gut thing. I still go with my intuition. Does this seem correct or does this look correct? Um, is this actually correct? Uh, so I, 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 you know, I, I still use Google for looking up exact kinds of information, right? Uh, this is something that I think, you know, GPT-3 would, would struggle with, um, looking up current information, uh, looking up highly local information. Google search is still super personalized. Like it knows my interests it knows my location uh, Google search is still the best as a keyword search engine. Like just this idea that I can type in two words and somehow it knows what I mean. Right. I think instruct GPT is far from that right now. You might enter two words and get back a whole poem right? Then you might hit regenerate again and it would be a list when all you wanted was a crisp paragraph answer. Uh, there's certain categories of information like image search, which Instruct GPT just can't do. And obviously Google is embedded everywhere. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, on my Android phone, it's in my browser. Sometimes I even use it because I'm too lazy to type a website address into the address bar. Uh, so, Anyways, uh, Instruct GPT is, is still really promising. It's still really handy. And I, I genuinely am using it several times a day as a Google search alternative already today. Um, and I mean, I think it's clear. I think this area is a huge area for GPT-3 developers, for machine learning researchers. Uh, if this is what's possible almost unintentionally with Instruct GPT, what's possible with a very intentional large language model Google search equivalent? Are there verticals of Google search which could, you know, dramatically benefit uh, from improvements in, in, you know, search query alignment and the results users see? I, I find Instruct GPT is very well aligned with the kinds of question I ask it and the answer it gives me. Whereas Google search, uh, the alignment is really limited because um, they, they have to find pages on the web <laughs> that essentially answer that. Uh, in their own words, right? And so they're limited to what's already out there in a way. Uh, whereas Instruct GPT can sort of piece together and synthesize uh, and, and suggest things, right? Um, and so anyways, huge opportunity for GPT-3 developers. We've talked about it in the past. And of course, uh, you know, towards the end of the article, I talk about OpenAI's been working on something called WebGPT, which not only um, uses GPT-3 to answer questions, um, it also uh, can look up stuff on Bing and synthesize the answer uh, with citations, right? And so, uh, you know, that research paper is also out too. 
uh, it could be a huge opportunity. If you're a GPT-3 developer, if you're passionate about the search space, uh, I think 2022 is a great time to look in this area. And uh, I guess uh, I guess the last thing I just want to talk about in today's podcast, um, because there are no uh, Instruct GPT alternatives, uh, one of the ideas I've been kicking around is perhaps uh, open sourcing or making some kind of initiative. Uh, per- like this is something a project I'm considering, uh, which 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 could easily uh, you know offer some Instruct GPT alternative if you're using something like GPTJ or GPT Neo X. Um, this is you know kind of out of my wheel well. I mean, there's a lot of machine learning reinforcement learning that that would be required. It may cost a fair amount of money. But I just wanted to put it out there. I'm considering creating something so that all language models could benefit from something like Instruct GPT. It would make uh, the the large language model space a lot less toxic overall, safer, and obviously whatever. I'm a big fan of aligning large language models and this technology with the intentions of the developers, the GPT-3 developers or the large language model developers in particular. Uh, whatever does that, I think, is highly beneficial. As a large language model developer, um, I, I just think it's it's a no-brainer. Uh, it, it would be ideal that the large language model understands my needs and you know the kinds of completions I want. Um, and so, if all the large language model companies and open source projects uh, could have access to uh, something like Instruct GPT, which is open source, I think it would be beneficial for the whole community. So, this is something I'm kicking around. Uh, it's, you know, really pretty big, ambitious project. I don't know how much it will cost me, but if you're interested, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at BAKZT Future. I could use help. I'm looking to learn. I'm looking to get feedback, but it is an area that I'm, I'm very, very interested in uh, as a contribution that I could make for the whole community. So with that said, I, you know, we talked a lot about Instruct GPT. I think, you know, search is, you know, a huge one example of how Instruct GPT is changing the game. But in general, uh, this thing is awesome. I want to congratulate the team at OpenAI. And I, I definitely think it is it is highly, highly beneficial for the GPT-3 developer community. Anyways, uh, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you stay safe. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and, and I just uh, wish everybody in Ukraine and around the world uh, peace, happiness. You know, I, you know, I hope this stuff, uh, I hope for real positive outcomes here. So anyways, thank you so much for listening. Multimodal by Baxter Future is available everywhere. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. You can follow me on YouTube, youtube.com slash B-A-K-Z-T Future. This podcast, I talked a lot about my Substack newsletter, different articles I've been putting out. I'm going to link them in the show notes as well as the YouTube description below. However, my newsletter is bakctfuture.substack.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great day, night, morning, evening, afternoon, whatever you're up to. I hope it's awesome. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.